Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tony Brown, and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Before we jump into the show, let's get the contact info out of the way. You can contact me several different ways. I have the voicemail, which is area code 206-745-2731. You can also record an MP3 or WAV file and email that to me for the show. If you're not comfortable with recording an audio message, please feel free to contact me via email, and I'll read out your comments on the next show. The address for both email and audio content is firearmscafe at gmail.com. Again, that's all one word, firearmscafe at gmail.com. I also have a Facebook listener page, a Twitter account, and a YouTube channel. There are buttons for these at the website, so please go there and click on those buttons and like me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, and subscribe to me on YouTube. These are all free. I'm looking forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you for spending your time with me and listening to the show. All right, everybody. Today is uh, Saturday, the 26th of October, 2013. As you can tell, my voice is maybe a little off. I've had uh, I've had a lot of illness and stuff in the family, and uh, now it's sort of my turn. Anyway, uh, it's been a while since I've put out a show, and uh, my last one was well over a month ago, back in September. And at that show, we were talking a little bit about uh, what had happened in Colorado, also some of the stuff with the executive orders that Obama had got. So today's going to be a little bit of a short show, but uh, I did want to put something out before it, it kind of, uh, you know, crept into the next month and everything. So we did get some feedback. So let's go ahead and uh, uh, we'll talk about some of that. I got some feedback from Kyle and this is in regards to the uh, the gun trusts. And what he writes is there are a few advantages of gun trust relating largely to NFA items. To my knowledge, NFA items include fully automatic firearm suppressors, short barrel rifles, less than 16 inches, and short barrel shotguns, less than 18 inches. I would like to add as a disclaimer that I am not a lawyer and I do not currently have an NFA gun trust and I'm just taking an interest in them as I would like to set one up in the future. Please consult a lawyer when setting one up. Now that that's out of the way, the advantages are as follows. NFA gun trust, being an entity and not a person, do not require fingerprinting, photos of you, or a law enforcement officer sign-off. And this is why they are a great option for individuals in a location with an anti-gun chief law enforcement officer. I'm not sure how the background check process works here. You can have multiple trustees in the trust who may legally possess and use the items in the trust. For instance, if you owned a suppressor and have it registered directly to you and it's not in a trust, you must be present while it is being used by anyone else or a felony has been committed. If you have this item in a trust, anyone authorized as a trustee may handle and use the firearm without requiring your presence. You can see how this could be helpful if your spouse or older responsible children would want to take your suppressor to the range. Depending on how many NFA items you plan to purchase in your life, you will save money. An NFA item requires a $200 tax stamp paid to the government for the quote-unquote privilege of owning the item. When you pass away, your heirs will have to pay another $200 transfer fee for each item to get them in their name. Now, with a NFA gun trust, you don't have to pay the fees and transfer all the items 
at the time of the uh, passing, as long as there are other trustees in the trust. I hope these broad points help in understanding the way trusts work. There obviously is much more to them, but these are the basics that I know about them. Take care. Okay, uh, Kyle, thanks for sending that in. Um, I also got uh, some feedback from another listener who I'm not going to name. Um, and what he had said was that he had set up a trust and he gave me the um, the name of the attorney, and um, I've been since I've been in touch with the attorney. And what I'm trying to do is get something set up, hopefully maybe for next week. And uh, uh, part of the reason why I kind of want to wait a little bit longer um, is you know the sound of my voice and everything, and I, I want to be kind of healthy when I go and, and do that. So, like I said, we've actually got. I've got a lawyer um, who sets these things up as part of his uh, part of his practice. So, if any of you guys out there have any questions uh, about how they work, go ahead email those in to me at uh, firearmscafe at gmail and then we can work that out with the attorney and, and get all our stuff, uh, get them all answered, and all that kind of stuff. All right. Um, Something here a little bit Arizona-centric, but I got an email the other day from the uh, Arizona Citizens Defense League, and what they did is they sent out a list of uh, mayors in Arizona who are in the uh, Mayors Against Illegal Guns group, so Bloomberg's group. So what we have is in Avondale. So anyway, if you live in... Uh, Arizona, uh, email those people, or even if you're out, you know, you can, you, know, you can, uh, email these people and I'll, 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 uh, kind of do a copy and paste to the website, which is firearmscafe.com, uh, with the information. Uh, so anyway, there is, uh, Mayor Marie Lopez Rogers in Avondale, uh, Satish L. Hiramath in Oro Valley. There's Scott Lamar in Paradise Valley, Greg Stanton in Phoenix, Mark Mitchell of Tempe, and Adolfo Gomez of Tullison, Jonathan Rothschilds of Tucson. And like I said, I will uh, kind of paste and copy that stuff. Uh, but email them and just let them know you don't appreciate them being on that. And uh, especially if you live in those cities that you're not going to uh, vote for them. That type of stuff because they're anti-gun. All right, let's see. What else did I want to talk about? Did I get, first of all, did I get any other feedback? And I don't think that I did. Um, so one of the, you know, one of the um, things that I wanted to talk about was I was at a, a gun store in one of the brief periods where I was actually well. And I, uh, I was looking at the MMPs, and I've heard one of the things about the MMP that was kind of the downside to me is I'm so used to the reset on the Glock. It's very audible. It's very tactile. You you know when that trigger resets. But I always liked the kind of the look of the MMP. I'd watched a lot of videos about them. I've I've yet to shoot one 
And I'd like to go down to a, I need to find a range out here. There's uh oh, what the heck's the name of it? Uh, uh, Caswell's is one. There's a, there's a, a bunch of other ranges where, you know, you can go in and, and, uh, kind of rent the gun. So I'll probably do that maybe sometime this next week. But anyway, I was at a, uh, um, a place called, I think it's called Shoppers, which is kind of like a combination. Oh, it's sort of like a Walmart, um, almost like a, like a combination of a Walmart tractor supply co-op type deal. So they've got tons of everything. They got they carry uh, firearms there. They have fishing stuff. They have, um, like, I guess you'd call it more like Western wear as far as clothing. But they've got hunting stuff. They've got, and then they've got the other stuff like maybe you would find like in a, in a Ace Hardware or a co-op type stuff, type thing. But anyway, I was talking to one of the guys that worked uh, behind the counter, and. I was like, well, hey, do you got a, a M&P 9 of the full size? I'm going to take a look at it. And they said, yeah, we got this new one in. And, and through the course of the conversation I had with him, um, he was like, well, take a look. You know, the, and we were talking about the trigger reset and everything like that. And he said, well, yeah, this with the new trigger they're putting in here, it's the one that they had designed, I guess, for the shield. Now, I was uh, fortunate in that he had... The M&P 9, the full size, which was a new one. He had a the M&P C, which is, I guess, the compact and the shield. So we were kind of looking at those and comparing them. And I actually found the trigger on the full size, the reset on it, to be... It wasn't as tactile or as audible... As you got with the Glock, but it was definitely there. You could feel it. Um, and then I tried one on the Shield, and then I tried one on the Compact. And the Compact, eh, I don't know. That may have been an older model, so I don't. That you could kind of feel it, but boy, you really had to be paying attention to it. And the Shield was a little bit better than that. But I actually thought that the new trigger that they have on the on the full size, so the, the M&P 9, was was pretty good. Um, and I liked the ergonomics of it better. Um, and I think that the, the, with the reliability and uh, accuracy, all that stuff is going to be real comparable to a Glock. Um, but I liked everything about it uh, from the ergonomic standpoint. I liked I liked it much better than the Glock. Um, if if you when when we were looking at them, kind of side by side. Well, let's let's back up a little bit. When you look at a Glock, it's very very simple. There's not a um, a lot of uh, moving parts. The tolerances aren't super tight on it. You know, if you uh, hear that, I'm rattling it right now. That's with a full mag in there. You know, you can hear that rattle. So it's got it's got a lot of uh, a play to it, which kind of like the AK is one of the reasons why it's so reliable. It can run. There's If something does kind of get in there, it's got some room to sort of work around it. Also, 
if you look at the size of the ejection port, it's gigantic in comparison to what's actually going to be coming out of it. Um, when you look at the size of the casing that's going to come out of there, it's huge. So, you know, it, it's it's not that you can't ever have a malfunction with them, because obviously you can. But when you look at the M&P and you compare them side by side, you sort of get the same thing. You can kind of rattle around an, an M&P. You look at the uh, the ejection port, it's oversized compared to what, you know, is going to be coming out of it. Uh, the internals of it are pretty simple, much like a Glock, so... And they're stri- you know they're both striker fired and all that stuff. So, I I may be making the switch over to uh, to an M&P. Um, I've got uh, a couple of pistols that I've had for a while that I've been wanting. I, you know, I kind of I tend to when I buy some, I tend to hang on to it. But I'm kind of getting away from that a little bit. I'm kind of going to where maybe I'm gonna uh, sell some stuff. Um, and trade it now. I've got with my Glock 17 that I've got. I think I'll always keep that. Uh, I've got uh, spare parts for it. I've got lots of spare magazines for it. Um, it's a good, reliable pistol, uh, and it's something that I think is you know you, you can't really go wrong with it. Uh, but I have a couple other things that I don't really shoot very much anymore. I bought them and thought that I would. Uh, and they're just kind of sitting in the safe. Uh, so what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to get one of the newer uh, M&Ps. And I'm going to uh, put that through its paces. But I'll have to sell some of my other stuff first before I do that. Um, so if any of you guys out there either have uh, an M&P, the 9, and the, what I'm talking about is the full size. And I don't know if anybody out there has one with a new trigger in it. But if you do, I'd like to um, I'd like to hear from you. Or if you're an owner of both, if you have uh, a Glock or and an M&P, and, and you, you know, kind of what do you think your comparisons are? Um, now, I've watched... Tons and tons of videos on YouTube and things like that. And like I said, of course, you know, the video that you're going to see on YouTube is you're going to see what the person wants you to see. Because they don't put anything up there that that doesn't kind of support them. So I know a lot of those are sort of self-serving examples because they, you know, they uh, are, or can be a little biased on them on some of the videos, not all of them. Uh but from what I can tell, uh, the M&P should fare as well as a Glock. Um, and I'm not one of these guys who is a, a uh, I don't know, I, I guess you'd call it, would you call it brand loyal? I guess if you're a, you know, if you're a Glock guy. Um, or, a, you know, if you're an M&P guy or a 911 guy or a 1911 guy, excuse me, um. You know, there are people that become so invested in their in their things. And for me, what I, I want what's going to work. And that's why I was a big fan of the Glocks for so long, because they it just works. It ran. Um, I had a video up, but I had to take it down. I, I'll, I'll repost it, I think, if I think about it. But what had happened was, is I had my... Um, I had a bunch of reloads that I had done. And what I wanted to do 
was I wanted to see how little powder I could put in into the ammunition and still have the gun run reliably. And in the video, I'm just like, I'm getting malfunction after malfunction after malfunction because there's just not enough, there's not enough pressure uh, to operate the gun reliably. And it's not, it wasn't the gun's fault. It was the, the ammunition. So anyway, if I can find that old video, I, I think I still have it, but um, uh, I, I had used some music that I thought was royalty free, but it turned out it wasn't. And so they, you know, I had to take it down. But anyway, I'll go ahead and put that new video up. So like I said, if any of you guys have any experience with that, uh, let me know. Another thing too is, uh, another kind of thought process I had with it is, with the MAP is I think it will, I got to take my wife in and have her hold it and do some stuff. Because I thought, well, if that's something that she ergonomically is a little bit better. She doesn't really like how the, the Glock fits in her hand and stuff like that. So uh, I think maybe something like that might work. I was also looking at, when I was over at that shopper's place, I was also looking at the Ruger LC380. Um, one of the things that she was saying is she... Um, she has some trouble racking the slide sometimes. And so she wanted something with a little, um, that would be a little bit easier. And I looked at that, I think it was the Ruger LC380. And I pulled, man, that is an easy slide to rack. I So I think that might be something that would be right up in her alley and something that she could have. Uh, one of the things though, that kind of like getting back to the M&P is, what I would like to have is something to where she and I both sort of have the same platform, uh, but that may not, you know, that may not work out. Um, but it would be nice if, if, uh, if she could get used to the M and P nine. Now she's also a little recoil sensitive, but with that, you know, you can sort of train that away. Um, and also, so as anybody out there has any experience with that LC three eighty. Uh, some first-hand experience. Um, a lot of times with the small 380s, it's a little snappy. Um, and they can be a little hard with follow-up shots and stuff. So, But supposedly with that 380, that LC 380, not the LCP, but the LC 380, supposedly, uh, from a little bit of research I've done and from watching things, that the recoil on it is uh, quite manageable. And it, it, you don't get a um, a real big felt recoil. So, all right, guys. Well, um, like I said, the, the, the show today is going to be pretty short. I did want to kind of go over some feedback that some people had sent in. Oh, you know what else? I did get some feedback from... Uh, um, from Bob, and so I'll go ahead and play that, and uh, and then we'll come back. I'll have a couple comments on that, and then we will go ahead and draw the show to a close for today. Hey, Tony, it's uh, Trucker Bob out here in Oregon. I just listened to your episode while still listening to it, episode 101, and you were talking about the uh, executive action on the the trust, uh, 
get some questions. Uh, the best explanation that I have heard so far uh, was on Armed American Radio from last Sunday, I believe the 15th. Uh, Mark Walters had a couple lawyers on there because he didn't really have a problem with it, and he had a couple lawyers contact him and really explained it out. Um, yeah, just talking about the uh, the ownership versus possession. So within the trust, a prohibited person could uh, have ownership, but there's a difference between the ownership and the possessor. Uh, they cannot take possession of it as a uh, prohibited person, but may still have ownership within a trustee. Uh, but they explain that all out and how it can be willed or passed down or other people uh, brought into the trustee. But, yeah, they checked that one out. Uh, I don't remember if it, what hour it was in. I know it's a three-hour show. I think it was uh, early on, so probably the first hour. But uh, they did a great job explaining it. All right, thanks. Keep up the good work. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. All right, Bob. Thanks for sending that in. Uh, I did go and I listened to that Armed American Radio thing, and that I believe was from September fifteenth, uh, and it's toward the end of the first hour. So you can go and it's called Armed American Radio, and you can listen to that. You can download that episode um, of the podcast that first hour. And he does have a couple of attorneys that are there talking about stuff. Um, they they go into certain things uh but he didn't have them on long enough for me to get some of my other questions answered and like i said we do have an attorney that i will be talking with hopefully next week and i'll uh, I'll bring up a lot of that stuff um but thanks for uh turning us on to that bob i appreciate it and hope things are going well for you also thanks to everybody that sent stuff in uh thanks to kyle and jim and and uh, everybody that sent stuff in for uh uh, for the show. I know it's been a while, so I apologize because of uh, the delay in getting this thing out. Now, I, I have some friends, uh, this is sort of not gun-related, but I have some friends uh, that do uh, kind of a, a horror podcast, and, and one of the guys is in a band and uh, does sort of like horror punk. And Anyway, he's starting, or he's in part of, a, of some other, uh, another guy, but anyway, this new band is called Out Out, and I, would, I uh, wanted to pull, go ahead and play a song for you on the outro, and uh, I, I really like it. I like the vocals, I like the sound of it, I like the feel of it, um, and like I said, I kind of am internet friends with, uh, with the drummer, and uh, he's a pretty cool guy and everything like that. So anyway, I'll go ahead and play this, and I'll put, uh, I don't think they have their album or anything out yet. I know that's going to drop here pretty relatively soon, um, but I think they've got to get some other stuff going before they do it, and they, they sort of put this song out, um, which is kind of a teaser, and like I said, I'll have a, uh, if they do have a link to where you could buy it, I'll, I'll, I'll put that into the show notes. All right, my friends, I will uh, hopefully talk to you next week. Take care, everyone. Bye.
Don't you wish we could be innocent? 